Oh, but you give her terrible life advice. No, no, no. Well, but either way, here's some advice. <laughs> question comes up on occasion of how to how to deal with life and that's essentially the question everybody's asking all the time and that's there's no way around that you know it's it's a it's a big question because nobody there's no one definitive answer there's just how people are doing it you know this is it's you know how you make it through your day to day everybody's doing it different because all the situations are different all the situations are different for instance my life I make it through fairly easily, I think. I have a lot of coping mechanisms, um, which I've developed over time. These have been things which I've kind of put into place in order to to manage my feelings, um, emotions, reactions to things. And yes, it I, it can make me extremely cold at times. Um, I, I, I'm very aware of that. I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that the methods I put in place can ostracize me from... From the world at hand, and I'm sure you have things which you do, which do exactly the same thing. In the same way, you probably have ways of coping which you know introduce you to more people and and benefit your life in positive ways, and that's fantastic. Keep doing those things. Um, and I've got quite a few friends who go through tough times, and and they're trying different things. They're trying different things to figure out, and eventually they find something which fits. And that is essentially the beginning message to this podcast: is that anything you're going through won't be identical to the last time you went through it and you will take time to discover a way of coping um someone recently said to me that they were they were tired of being strong um they were fed up of having to be strong fed up of having to make thing make through and in a way kind of that's something which i can't quite comprehend because the way i've always approached life is that life requires you to be strong all the time um, it requires you to not have that moment of vulnerability and to not kind of kind of give in in any way, shape, or form. And again, that it means me masking a lot of things. Um, the same friend told me that the reason I don't like people looking at my eyes is because it's, there's, there's some vulnerability in there. And as much as I don't want that to be true, Mel, I'm at the same time, I'm, I'm, I can probably agree with you. You know, now that I'm in my own home safety and we're not in a public place, I could probably agree with you, and you'll be fine to agree with that, but there's a sentiment which I wanted to suggest to people out there, because you find a lot of people use coping mechanisms, which is, is great, you know, that's it's a way to deal with volatile creatures but some coping mechanisms aren't they're just not logical if that makes sense I mean, I don't know how you cope with the, the the stress, anxieties, trials, tribulations of life, but some of them are based in an idea which just isn't helpful to yourself. For instance, so let's take drinking, right? So when I went through um, when I went through my breakup two years ago, that was a pretty horrendous thing to go through. Um, there's no kind of tongue-in-cheek way of saying it. It affected my life in a major way. I still maintained my work attitude, I still kept working, um, and I threw myself into my artwork as I do. That is my main coping But it did lead me to a stage where that wasn't enough, so I was trying different things. And I tried drinking. 
because the reason I tried drinking, and this is the uh, the cliche part, is I tried drinking because that's what you see in films. That's what people do. You know, you get sad, you go for a drink. You want something to numb it, something to take it all away. And shockingly, no, not shockingly, I mean, nobody believes this is actually a healthy way of doing things, but it didn't help. It didn't help at all. If anything, it made me worse. It made me more depressed. And suddenly I was depressed and I was in pain. And overall, my entire outlook was just getting worse and worse and worse. So I recognized that and I, I said not drinking. So when um, going through other tribulations in the following years, I've avoided drink during those periods. Because to me... It's not an enjoyable act, and to me, if you you know, if you want to have something in your life which should be an enjoyable act, you shouldn't use it as a, a coping mechanism, um, unless it's it's hugely enjoyable, and it's going to outweigh that. By that, I mean that I use art as a coping mechanism. Yeah, I hugely enjoy making art, and I've never used it as a coping mechanism in such a way that I've gotten a bad feeling about making art later on once I'd moved past the point. Whereas drinking, I could see it becoming a thing. I could see it becoming a thing where. Doing it was just going to make me sadder, and then when I'd gotten past it, I'd go and drink, and then that would probably make me sad again. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to associate it with that feeling. But that is one of the things which so many people use. You know, I'm having a bad day, I'm going to go out and get wasted. You know, I've, I've been through some trouble, no, I need to get drunk, I need to I need to lose myself, I need to, I need to push myself to some extreme to feel alive again. That's that's hugely common. That's you know, there's no no shame in that. That's that is a method of of coping which a lot of people use. But it, it in my opinion, it fails at one of the fundamental flaws. <laughs> it has a fundamental flaw in that it doesn't help you move past your problem. To me, a coping mechanism should be something which allows you to move past to actually solve things so like with artwork with my creating of doing things and this is why i'm a huge believer in art therapy is and even if you're not an artist even then you know the whole idea of writing something expressing yourself drawing something painting creating going out and and gardening or, or building doing something tactile which involves expression it doesn't matter if it's good in the end you can burn it you can throw it away that in itself might be cathartic just getting involved with it so you can have this pure expression of what you wanted to do that you kind of come out the other side of it and your reflection has changed you know you your view on the situation has changed and that's that's why I go through that process. And that's why I think other people should go through that process. But I realize it's not for everyone. A lot of people really struggle with this whole idea of expression. Um, especially with art, because you very much with art, you, you get into that process of, all right, I want to write something. I want to write about the experience I've had. And then it comes out and you're like, this isn't this isn't what I wanted. And that that in itself can become a depressing thing. But as a as a as method of coping, it helps you move past the point. It helps you it helps you get through that struggle and it adjusts your perspective because that's all you're really looking for you can't take away the bad thing entirely so you need to adjust your perspective on it for instance um, when you lose a loved one you know you can't there's no way to change that it's a matter of fact it's something which has occurred in your life and and you kind of you have to roll past it 
you have to keep going. You have to to methodize it in some way um, and change your view on it. You're gonna always gonna be sad. <clears throat> There's no way round that. There's no way to go. I'm never gonna be sad. But you can kind of alleviate it and and, and method. That's the again. We're going back to films. That's a classic trope in movies of you know someone dies everyone's really sad about it and then someone will come along with just a different view a different view of the situation and go oh well you know they wouldn't want you to be sad or this isn't how they want to be remembered they don't want to be remembered in your tears they want to be remembered in the happy times and i've seen that in my own life um, when my great-grandma died uh, we weren't allowed to go see her uh, before she died because my parents wanted us to keep a memory of her they wanted us to keep the good memory so then when she eventually did pass on we found it easier and in a way it helped because of the age we were um and for some people it does and and and, and kind of moves through but i've been trying to boil it down in a way i I don't know if this is helpful to anyone at the moment i'm just rambling and telling you well you're all you're not coping properly we you you have other ways to cope (laughs) i tried to boil it down if i was down to this idea that if you cut something off it dies I had this theory when I was thinking about my hand getting cut off. Um, I think about that a lot. It's a strange thought that to lose a hand, especially for me, because I, I use my hand for, for so much coping. Um, I mean, among other things, which we will not get into those things. Um, and I got thinking about my hand getting cut off, and, and this whole idea that if you cut it off, it dies. And the same with plants. If you if you cut something off, it dies. You know, if you don't get that stem into water. Um, give it some feed, give it room to nurture, it won't grow again, it'll just die. And I thought that it was quite a poignant way to put it, even if I did say so myself, my big-headedness coming out a little bit there, um, that if you cut it off, it dies. And it's the same for all things in life. If you take something you're dealing with, a problem you are having, and your way to cope with it in any way nurtures it then it'll never die you know if you if you take your trauma and all your coping mechanisms of dealing with that trauma are things which would allow it to still persist within you and still kind of be part of your coping then it's just going to continue to be it's still going to be there it's still going to continue to grow cutting off removing it having a coping mechanism which allows you to remove it helps because without you it can't live and obviously this isn't true of, of, of certain things like you know if you cut a person out of your life there's a chance they'll try and come back but the more you do to to suspend them from being around you therefore cutting them off the less likelihood they would have to come back so a great example i can give you of this um i say a great example I, I don't know if it's a great example. Here's an example of something I can give you this. So I got into a conversation the other day about people you went to school with. Now, I don't really talk to anybody I went to school with. I have maybe three people on my Facebook profile who I went to school with. And to be honest, I'm probably going to remove them within the next week. Apologies, guys, if you're watching this. The people I went to school with when I was like 15, 16, it's been a decade since then. Um... I don't really have anything in common with them anymore apart from that time we went to school because we don't talk. I don't really, you know, it was it was something which I, I consciously did when I went to college, when I went to university, was to cut people out of my life. And as such, 
those friendships which we formed have died off they, they it's natural for them to do that and it's in a way a lot of people feel guilty about doing that you know i haven't spoken to such and such in so long and i, I kind of i'm like well what did you expect to happen if you don't nurture friendships then they'll they'll just die out that's the whole whole thing both of you need to nurture friendships in the same way yeah you know in the same way if you one of you cuts you out if it's all coming from one side it's never gonna never gonna grow into what you want it to grow into it's got to come from both sides so i've done this i've you know it's it removed people from my life <clears throat> in a conscious effort to and it's nothing been nothing where it's kind of been anything vindictive there's not been anything where i've gone oh no i need to remove them because they're a problem for my life it's been more along the lines of well you know i just don't see the point we're kind of just living two separate worlds we're adults we're all turning 30 it's, a lot of it's kind of futile to maintain it it's a lot of effort to maintain a lot of relationships and i got i got other more important relationships i want to maintain if there was anything which kind of needed doing or coming up i'm sure we'd get together and, and figure that out but i don't really don't see that happening and it can be the same for family members. You know, everyone has family members who they have problems with. If you cut it off, eventually you're just going to need no time to go see them and no time to kind of manufacture them. With family, it's a little bit different because you're obviously always connected through other family members. So getting them out of your life is a lot harder. But again, you cut it off enough, it'll eventually they'll die. Now, some people would say this is a terrible coping mechanism room because one it doesn't take into account the fact that people could come back and people do come back um and two it doesn't deal with the problem now i'm not saying just just disregard people in any way shape or form i don't want to be misread with that i don't want to i don't want to sit here and go oh no just ignore people and it'll go away because if you ignore bullies, ignore bullies it doesn't go away but I'm saying use it as part of your coping mechanism. Have it as a have it as a as a, a bullet point within the list of bullet points of why you're doing something. You know, you have a problem with something. Why do you have a problem with something? Why does it affect your life? What can you do to change that? And can you cut them off? That's the little the, the thumb the thumb of the four which will come out of that. You know, what can you do to quick it off? And and I, I'm not saying have the answers to everything, but at the same time I'm I think in terms of how I deal with my own problems, I do with it quite well. And that's through experience. It's through going through life, dealing with problems, and finding slowly and slowly and slowly each time how to get past those in a more healthy way. I've done things in non-healthy ways. Who hasn't done things in non-healthy ways? I've used different addictive substances um, to kind of cope with situations. But none of them help. You know, and it seems obvious from the outside. I could have told myself that before I even tried those things. But at the same time, I didn't realize I was using those things as coping mechanisms. I didn't realize that I was going out and getting drunk because I just didn't want to think about things. I didn't realize that I didn't want to have sex with people on a regular basis. But I did because it was a way of just feeling something other than sad. It was only afterwards that it kind of came to view. And even before then, I would have been able to go up to that Graham and go Graham that's a terrible idea why are you even going to do that but I would have ignored all that because fuck them fuck past Graham fuck future Graham fuck this Graham if you want (laughs) 
I feel like I've gone, you know, I got a right tangent there. I don't know if that helps in any way, shape, or form. All I've done is just basically just belittle every little coping mechanism you have. I have little coping mechanisms. Since I recently noticed I started doing this thing. Um, I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm trying to figure out what triggers it. And I think it's very much that I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, so when I'm walking along the street, if you can see in the video, um, I, I keep my thumb at a right angle into my hand, like Walsh and Grandma. I have weird thumbs anyway. Um, but I keep my thumb at a right angle. And I've noticed that I just start pressing my finger and my fourth thumb finger, my, my, my index finger and my middle finger against the top of my thumb. And I start doing that. And I don't know why I do it. And I've only recently noticed that I've been doing it. And I've been doing it for about two months now. Usually in social situations, when I'm walking past groups of people, I suddenly think to myself, I need to do something with my hands. I can't keep my hands in my pockets because my pockets are full of stuff. So I'll do that instead. I'll just... I don't know if you can hear that on the mic. And I'll just do that. And I don't know why I'm doing it. And it's it's a weird coping mechanism. And in a way, I need to figure out why I'm doing it so then I can kind of move past and I only do it with my right hand as well I don't do it with my left hand it feels weird with my left hand on my right hand it feels kind of natural but on the left hand it feels weird it's like <laughs> I'm not getting I'm not getting into that you know I'm not it's too easy That that's too easy to slip into that it feels good with the right hand and weird with the left hand it's too easy to slip into that all I'm saying is that when you look at how you deal with your life and look how you cope with problems not only should you be looking at the problems, not only should you be looking at that, that's, that's the thing. And and this does help as well, um, hugely, I find, is to get out of that habit of only staring at the problem instead of looking at the wider view. And this is something which they kind of slowly teach you as you, as you get into workplaces and stuff, is you find that people who can only focus on the specific problem don't tend to progress as much as people who can view the wider picture. And it's because you fixate on one problem. It shows a lack of lack of flexibility and the same is needed for your life life's a complex thing there's no sim- simple answer to anything that's the whole point of life if there was it'd be so damn boring can you imagine life where it was really simple can you what would be the point in that there'd be no point in that why, why no one would enjoy anything that's why we love drama and terror and horror it's complexity but fictional so we can just sit back and watch it and unravel but where was my point? I completely left. It's wandered off like a dog in the night. Anyway, so when you look at your problem, look at the problem, obviously, to recognize it. Step away from it. View it in a wider view, which makes it easier to handle as well. Um, it's kind of that whole thing of if you have a problem, break it down to bullet points. It helps no end. And and whilst I don't do that physically, a lot of people do. I don't do that physically. Um it does help. It, it it makes a problem smaller. It makes it easier to handle, easier to take, because it's just small bites. You can kind of build upon that to make some way of coping with it, and then once you've coped with it, you can kind of look at the black box afterwards. Don't just think, yes, that's done, that's solved, that's out. you got to look back and go, all right, how did I deal with that situation? And why did I deal so well with it this time compared to when I dealt with it the other time? Because you, you may come up to exactly the same problem again. And it's when you don't learn from that that you'll end up in this cycle of going, well, geez, why am I doing this again? Why does it hurt so much again? And it's because you haven't recognized 
you you kind of the bad way you coped with it. And you may they may you know I'm not saying this is a solve all because you may not be able to see another way of coping with it. But then that's when you go talk to other people. That's when you get the outside perspective. That's when you you, you go to your friends and you go to your family and say I'm having this problem. Um, last time I tried dealing with it on my own and I couldn't. And that kind of all builds into your whole men- mental health aspects. The same way, if you're having trouble and you're having problems in life and you're feeling overwhelmed and struggling, go talk to somebody about it because it adds that extra layer of experience, it adds a different life's perspective, it expands that world view so the problem itself becomes less of a focus and is easier to handle. It all sounds really easy when I say it and really easily laid out and I realize I'm not naive to this. I realize it's a lot more complex. But I'm just hoping that this little sentiment that if you cut it off, it dies, will sink in for some people and maybe help some people. That's all I really want to do. That's all I wanted to do with any podcast I make, is open up discussions about every subject I can so people can think about it and discuss things. That's all I want from art. That's all I want from it, like media. Well, not all media, but this media. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. I'd love to know some of your coping mechanisms. Do you throw yourself into your work? Do you throw yourself into drink? Has that worked well for you? It didn't work well for me. I couldn't... I I don't know, it just made me worse, made me sadder. Made me regretful, remorseful. Whereas making work, it gives me something to focus on. Something to pour things into. He says making podcasts. Definitely not a coping mechanism. I'll talk to you guys later.